Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your Monday. It's the beginning of another week, and it's an exciting week in the NBA as it was a thrilling, thrilling weekend when it came to the, especially the Eastern Conference Finals, um, or excuse me, the Eastern Conference playoff picture. All four teams now are known to be playing in the conference finals. Congratulations to the Phoenix Suns and the LA Clippers. The Phoenix Suns obviously taking a one to nothing lead in the Western Conference Finals yesterday. And then to the Milwaukee Bucks and Atlanta Hawks, some new blood, two teams that in terms of their playoff series were the underdogs, but overcame the Nets and the Sixers to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. A thrilling weekend of basketball in the Eastern Conference. But the great thing that came out of it is that we've got all new blood that is going to be there as far as a team that has not won the title, or it could be a team that's never won the title, could be, will be the NBA champion this year, and that's really exciting to see. In this episode of Locked on Grizzlies, we'll reflect a little bit back on that in the third segment of the show. But in the first segment, going to talk a bit about how Three years ago today, the Grizzlies changed. The Grizzlies' new generation, the neck, the Grizz Next Gen, really started three years ago today. In the second segment, I'm going to talk about the success of these four teams that have made the conference finals as an indication as to where the Grizzlies really need to improve, even to the point of an identity change when it comes to what they do well for them to continue moving in the playoffs. And in the third segment, I'm going to talk a bit about a big trade that happened over the weekend and about how it indicates how the Grizzlies themselves could be creative in ways that may not be on the surface of making sense, but creative ways where the Grizzlies can still make a trade and benefit the roster this season. Of course, you or th- this all season. Of course, you can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC. My name is Sean Coleman. I've been covering the Grizzlies now for three years over at Grizzly Bear Blues. I'm a credentialed media member. Have been with Locked on Grizzlies since April of 2020. Love doing this every single day because it's your one Grizzly source where you can get your Grizzlies every day. The latest Grizzlies news, perspective, insight, and honest truth every day here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. And don't forget about our weekly episode. So did it last night on Sunday on Spotify Green Room, but every Thursday night at 8 via Spotify Green Room, formerly known as Locker Room, I will do our Let's Talk Grizzness show through Lockdown Grizzlies. Obviously, as we get closer to the draft this week, the lottery, um, you know, once the season ends, plenty to talk about when it comes to the Grizzlies. So certainly want to see you there on Spotify Green Room. But three years ago today, the Memphis Grizzlies had the 2018 draft occurred and the Memphis Grizzlies got the fourth pick. Obviously tomorrow is the NBA lottery. And for the first time in three years, basically the Grizzlies, they're not in the mix, right? Like the 2017 draft was the last time the Grizzlies were not in the lottery. But in 2018, we landed the fourth pick in the draft in the 2018 lottery. And it was a great position to be in for a draft that truly has emerged as being one of the more historical drafts in recent NBA history. I myself remember, based off where I was working at the time, um, I had just actually started a new job, and I remember that Neal's, uh, Neal's Restaurant off of Quince and Linfield, near Quince and Linfield, that was where I stopped to be able to watch the NBA draft. A buddy of mine came and joined me, and I remember watching the draft and just how exciting it was to see what could transpire. We saw, obviously, DeAndre Ayton 
go first. Marvin Bagley went second, and obviously, you know, revisionist history will tell you that certainly was one of the bigger mistakes in recent NBA draft history. But then it came to the third pick with the Atlanta Hawks, and the idea for the Grizzlies was: was they go, would they go with Jaron Jackson? Would they go with Trey Young? Would they go with Luka Doncic? Well, of course, what occurred: the Hawks traded with the um, Mavericks. The Hawks wound up trading basically back to fifth and got a first-round pick to take Trey. Luka went third to the Mavericks. And, of course, um, Jaron Jackson Jr. went fourth to the Grizzlies. It was a big night for the Grizzlies because we were hoping. I know Luka was the priority, but there were a lot of folks who were going different ways. Some were wanting Luka. Some were wanting Jaron. Some were wanting um, Trey. And, of course, we wound up landing Jaron Jackson Jr. But the thing about it is, is that I th- really think that those three teams, when you look at the top five of that draft, you see how successful that draft has been. Obviously, the Phoenix Suns landing DeAndre Ayton, you see now, they're in the conference finals. The Mavericks landing Luka Doncic, yes, obviously over the past 10 days, there's been plenty of uproar in Dallas, plenty of upheaval as well, a complete change of leadership when it comes to Donnie Nelson Jr. being out of uh, of, uh, the team president job, Rick Carlisle being out of the head coach job. Obviously, in terms of building around Luka, they've struggled, but the Mavericks obviously got the best player out of that draft. And then, of course, you have the Grizzlies and the Hawks. The Grizzlies have done a wonderful job building around Jared, building around Jaw. The Hawks, obviously, over the past 12 months, may have done the best job of building a team from a perennial loser into now a, a team that's in the conference finals. The big thing is, is that though it's happened in different ways, the top five, four out of the top five teams in that draft drafted a player that has played a significant role in over the past three years, the t- that team improving. Two, two of the teams are in the conference finals now. Two of the teams have made the playoffs for the first time in a while and obviously have a very bright future moving forward. But they're going about it different ways, right? And they're going about it, you know, in different, you know, not only different ways, but also it's taking different amounts of time. For the Grizzlies, it's a bit more of the long view. The Hawks, they went a bit more all in this year. And through other things occurring, them hitting at the right time, obviously them changing coaches, injuries elsewhere. No, those are external factors that certainly have benefited them, but they but you have to credit them for taking advantage of the opportunity moving forward, Trey stepping up his game, and you're seeing the success of this happen. Obviously, the Suns have been able to move forward because of the acquisition of Chris Paul, but DeAndre Ayton has really stepped up and has really matched his potential with his production. The thing that I'm getting at is, is that three years ago, the trajectory of several NBA franchises changed because of a top five of the top five players in an NBA draft. One a top five that really could go against any other top five in an NBA draft in NBA history. And four out of those five teams have had immediate success from those picks. So even though Jaron himself may not be as responsible for the Grizzlies' success as Aiton is for the Suns or Trey is for the Hawks or Luka is for the Mavericks. The thing about it is this, is that Jaron Jackson Jr. being drafted where he was in that draft 
should still certainly be looked upon as being a very positive thing. We're going to get much more into talking about should the Grizzlies extend Jackson. You're going to see all these other players who are going from their uh, who are finishing their third season going into their fourth season. We're going to talk about them being extended as well. But the thing about it is this: is that from that 2018 draft, the big thing about it is it's not just that four of the five players that were drafted still either are hitting on their potential to become franchise-level players or certainly have an outlook to become that. But not only that, four of the five teams have done a great job building off their success from that draft and turning it into a long-term equation that should allow for them to be competitive going forward. When you look at the Mavericks, when you look at the Grizzlies, and when you look at the Suns in the Western Conference and the Hawks in the Eastern Conference, it's hard to say that those four teams are not in the top 10 teams when it comes to future cores in the NBA. And the and the players that were drafted in that 2018 draft were a big reason as to why. So whether or not you're judging, you know, who won the Luka or Trey trade, whether or not you're judging should Jaron have been taken by the Grizzlies over, you know, a Michael Porter Jr. or a Shea Gilgis-Alexander who were drafted later, or a Mikel Bridges who were later drafted later on in that draft. The big thing to realize is, is that when those players were taken in the, fi- in the first five picks of the 2018 draft, not only are four of those five players do they still have a very bright and very significant future? Three of them have already become significant talents. Jaron Jackson Jr., once health on, is on his side, should become that. But those four players on the teams that they're on, those four teams also have a very bright future. And that shows how successful that 2018 draft is and why it should go down as one of the most historic drafts in NBA draft history. But it's not just about the players that were drafted in that 2018 draft. It's not just about the players, the Hawks and the Suns and the Clippers and the uh, Bucks have added over time. One of the things that really stands out as well about the four teams that are in the conference finals are their style of play and something that the Grizzlies need to really shift their focus to starting this offseason to get to being a sustainable winner. Coming up, I'm going to talk about two key areas where the teams in the conference finals and the teams that almost made it to the conference finals are thriving that the Grizzlies must become more successful at moving forward. You're the hiring manager for you're the hiring expert for your company. And what you really need is help making your shortlist of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hire as e- hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post screen and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster, only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualification, and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately, and Indeed skills tests that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You could choose from more than 130 skills tests that add your must-have requirements, so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com. 
Get a $75 job credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this playoff season. Coming up on tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast, I'm going to be glad to welcome back frequent guest and fellow Grizzly Bear Blues writer and obviously the associate editor, also has a new podcast out called The Long View. Parker Fleming is going to be with us for tomorrow's episode discussing a piece he's recently written over at Grizzly Bear Blues, looking at how aggressive the Grizzlies could be this year and where they could be aggressive. You know, we've talked with that about with a few folks, but going to get into some specific names with Parker, looking at who he really feels makes sense for the Grizzlies through free agency, through the draft. Looking at the lottery tomorrow night. Great things coming up with Parker Fleming on tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. So in the first segment, we talked about, you know, how from the 2018 draft, you've seen now several of the teams that drafted at the top of that draft, they've had success. The Mavericks with Luka Doncic made the playoffs for the second straight year. Obviously, they've had some big blowups when it comes to their front office, but in general, they've still got Luka. But the Grizzlies made the playoffs as well. They certainly have a bright future, and the Hawks and Suns are two of the four remaining teams left in the NBA playoffs. But it's not just about roster additions, subtractions, evolutions, what may have you. It's also about what works in terms of playoff philosophies when it comes to offensive schemes and schematics. And the thing that I will say is this, is that the Grizzlies played to their identity, right? They played to their strengths in order to get where they got this year, and it worked. Unfortunately, it didn't have a long shelf life when it came to the NBA playoffs. So, you know, we could just, you know, simply without even looking at numbers, we know exactly what occurred. The Grizzlies were able to win during the first round of their playoff matchup with the Jazz because of the fact that they were able to create turnovers, get a significant advantage when it came to overall shot attempts, and shoot inside. And the the other thing that helped out was the Jazz missed a whole bunch of threes. But when Donovan Mitchell came back for the Jazz, the thing that really allowed the Jazz to be able to win four straight games is that any time the Grizzlies made a run, the the Jazz just every single time, it seemed, were able to hit a big three. And the thing about it is, is that it's not just the fact that they hit the first three that they found. It's not like the Grizzlies... First off, first defensive set that they threw at the Jazz was just highly ineffective. It was the fact that the Jazz always made the right pass to find the open three because of how comfortable they were of setting their offensive schemes to really feature the outside shot. And that is something that stands out about the teams that are remaining in the playoffs right now. And also, it's something that stands out, as we all know, is a big area of growth for the Grizzlies. So two stats stand out about the four remaining playoff teams that the Grizzlies should really identify as being areas of growth this offseason and beyond. The first stat is of the 16 playoff teams that, that were in the playoffs this year, in terms of how much of their shots were taken within 10 feet of the basket, what percentage of the team's total shots were taken within 10 feet of the basket on offense? The Grizzlies 
led all playoff teams with 48.5% of their total shots being within 10 feet of the basket. Makes perfect sense, right? That's the strength of John Moran. That's the strength of Jonas Valanciunas as a team strength. Second chance opportunities, fast break opportunities typically lead to shots close to the rim. And it's fine. That's what allowed for the Grizzlies to remain competitive for most of their series against the Jazz was playing to their strength. But at the end of the day, the Grizzlies lost 4-1 to one in their playoff series. And that exact strategy is what helped the Clippers beat the Jazz in the next round. Overall, while the Grizzlies led all playoff teams with 48.5% of their shots within 10 feet of the basket, the five teams, the top five teams in terms of lowest percentage of their shots being within 10 feet of the basket. First was the Miami Heat. That's just naturally the Heat. That's how they run their offense. They shoot a lot of jump shots. But after the Miami Heat, the other four teams in the top five of the playoff teams this year that shoot the lowest percentage of their shots near the basket, the LA Clippers, the Atlanta Hawks, the Phoenix Suns, and the Utah Jazz. You have three of your four teams remaining in the playoffs, plus the best team in the NBA during the regular season this year. It stands out. Being able to comfortably shoot the ball from distance and continue to score is what makes a difference in the is what makes a difference in the playoffs. And right now, the Grizzlies are still a significant ways away from saying that their roster can do that. And that's fine. It's We're going into the third offseason of a rebuild. I'm not saying it should be a negative that this stands out about the Grizzlies, but it does show how important not only is the ability to shoot comfortably from distance, but reliably make shots from distance as well, how important that is. What is bringing the Grizzlies' success right now is fine for the roster that they have. But that's going to have to adjust in time as the Grizzlies want to become a sustainable winner and hopeful contender in time. Because the other thing that stands out is not just the shooting from distance, but where the shots are being found. Because at the end of the day, whatever offensive schemes you're looking at, the thing that makes the difference is being able to rotate the ball around to find open shots. And typically where you can find those open shots that the defense can't counter fast enough to be able to defend is corner threes. That's really what stood out for the Clippers against the Jazz. After the Jazz beat the Grizzlies shooting corner threes a lot, what the Clippers did, especially in Game 7, is they set up their offensive schemes to put Rudy Gobert kind of on an island where he either had to stay put and allow an open three to be shot, or if he attacked the open three, then he would be able to give up the lane for a layup. What did the Clippers do? They put a source of shooting, a Terrence Mann, a Patrick Beverly, a Nicholas Batum, guys who were not their primary scorers, they put them in a corner and still relied on them because they were comfortable with their shooting from the corner to be able to hit the threes that made the difference in the playoffs. The Grizzlies, that is something that the Grizzlies are continuing to build towards. We know that Xavier Tillman improved shooting from the corner over the in the second half of the season. We obviously know Grayson, Melton, Bain all can shoot from the corner. Dylan Brooks was impressive shooting from the corner. Uh, Jared Jackson Jr., we know he can shoot from the corner. 
The other aspect of things, it's not just shooting from distance, but it's knowing how to find the right areas to shoot from distance. And this is where there's some encouraging signs for the Grizzlies. In terms of corner three-point attempts in the playoffs, the top three teams when it comes to corner three-point attempts in the playoffs so far this playoff season are the Clippers, the Bucks, and the Suns. That tells you that a significant part of their offense is if their first or second look on offense is not available, they rotate a ball around to find the open three around ten times a game for a good look from three to be shot. And all of those teams are shooting 35% or better on those shots. So that's the big key for the Grizzlies. It's not only creating a roster where they can comfortably shoot from distance, they can shift their offensive focus from shooting so much into the lane to shooting from distance, but also having the depth on their roster that they could put five or six different options, depending on whatever lineups in the game, into the corner and be an open for the three-point shot. Now, the corner three philosophy, we've seen the Grizzlies continue to incorporate that more and continue to add more depth. We saw it in the second half of the season. They are well on their way to making that a part of their game. But if they're going to produce in the paint, and then from that, they're going to find shots by using their passing to the outside to set up high percentage looks on catch-and-shoot threes, they've also got to incorporate a bit of of self-created shots from distance as well in order to take the next step as a franchise. Yes, we've known that for a while. That has been clear. But overall, when it comes to this Grizzlies team, we know for a fact that they have played to their strengths and it's led to them exceeding expectations. But for the next evolution of this franchise to occur, they've got to shift their focus from the paint to the outside, because as we've seen, that is the one common characteristic among the teams that are remaining in the playoffs. It's not only their ability to shoot comfortably from distance and make shots, but it's also knowing where to find the shots from distance to shoot based off what the defense shows you. The ability for the Grizzlies to be able to find the shots from the outside, especially from the corner, they certainly have made significant improvements in that area. Now they've got to use that as a way for them to continue to feel more comfortable shooting from the outside. That includes Jaw and Jaron being able to stay healthy and show their development next year in terms of being reliable from three. That includes using Dylan Brooks, using Desmond Bain and others in offensive schemes off the ball to set them up for good looks on catch-and-shoot opportunities from three. It's fine that the Grizzlies are not there now, but it's critical that they get there in time. And as we can see, the numbers certainly show that's what makes the difference in the playoffs. Being able to reliably shoot the ball from distance, but also knowing where on the court to shoot it based off what the defense gives you. We've seen some improvement in both those areas for the Grizzlies, but they're still a significant ways away. And as we see roster upgrades and the evolution of this roster occur, it's going to become clear those are two areas that are really going to be focused on when it comes to adding new talents to this team. But if the Grizzlies may not make the big trade this offseason to really upgrade the roster, what else could they potentially do with their cap space? Coming up, I'm going to look at a big trade that occurred over the weekend to show that there are more ways than just a few that this front office for the Grizzlies can be creative in using some available cap space that could potentially um, come become available based off a few decisions later this offseason. 
Along with the Grizzlies needing to make adjustments perhaps to their identity in order to eventually become a contender and a sustainable winner, there is a way for you to do the same thing when it comes to getting healthier by making adjustments to your daily routine. And one of the best ways to do that is by adding Built Bar to it. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, a healthy addition to your day that will go a long way. You can have it in the morning for breakfast, in the afternoon as a snack. You can have it whenever you choose to, but the great thing about it is that once you add it to your day, it's going to be a great opportunity for you to make your day better. Over 18 different flavors to choose from at BuiltBar.com. The other great thing about it is if you go to BuiltBar.com right now, you can put in the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, to get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Again, go to BuiltBar.com, put in the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, the Nets and 76ers have questions to answer. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Besides the wonderful playoff games, another aspect of the NBA shined through once again uh, this past week. And of course, we know the NBA. It's always full of surprises. There's never a name in the NBA. There may be a few you know, each season, but it seems like that 98 to 99% of the league is certainly in play to be traded, and we once again saw that. Now, the names weren't necessarily surprising that were involved in this deal. It's just that the timing and the magnitude of the money that changed place shows that at any one time, you can make something work in the NBA when it comes to trades. That's what we saw this weekend. The Boston Celtics at Kimba Walker, the 16 pick in this year's NBA draft, and I believe a second round pick, to the Oklahoma City Thunder in exchange for Al Horford, in exchange for center Moses Brown, and a future second round pick from the Thunder. Now, the whole idea in doing this is that, obviously, the Celtics got some front court depth, obviously basically exchanged Kimba for Horford. Horford probably schematically makes more sense for the Celtics, offers more of an advantage than Kimba would, and it also gives the Celtics future flexibility. Meanwhile, the Thunder get another first-round pick to go with their treasure chest of picks, obviously for this year and beyond, and they also obviously get um, you know another potential trade piece that they could basically rehab over you know maybe this offseason, maybe into next year, and then from there see if they can capitalize off it as well. It was an opportunity for both teams to benefit their futures, and they certainly did that. Well, that's exactly what we've seen from this Grizzlies team, and it all also brings to light the fact that just because the Grizzlies may not make an all-in type trade or may not make a significant consolidation type trade this summer, it doesn't mean that there's not trades out there that could be beneficial for this Grizzlies team. And we've seen them do it before, right? We've seen this team be able to make trades before in which they have the ability to get assets because they use cap space. Uh, you know, they, they use cap space in a good way. They use flexibility in a good way. Perhaps they take two players and bring in one player who they really feel could work out. We've seen the Grizzlies already do it before. We've seen it hit. We saw what they did when they traded Kyle Korver and Javon um, Carter 
to the Phoenix Suns, who were ready to move off of Josh Jackson, as well as the Grizzlies got DeAnthony Melton, you know, to add to their future. Because the Grizzlies were willing to take on Josh Jackson's contract and him as a player, they got DeAnthony Melton, who certainly is a long-term part of their future. Another trade they made in the summer of 2019... With cap space that they with cap space that they had available due to a trade exception from the Mike Conley trade, the Grizzlies were able to take on a seventeen million dollar salary from the Golden State Warriors to take on Andre Iguodala. Though he didn't want to play for the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies wound up getting a very attractive and valuable first round pick, a lightly protected first round pick from the Suns. And then yes. Other trades the Grizzlies had made may not worked out so much. They were able to trade Solomon Hill, Jay Crowder, and um, Iguodala to the Heat, and they were able to take back Deion Waiters, who they waived. They took on his dead money, but they took on the contract of Justice Winslow as well as Gorgie Dank, who was serviceable as a backup center, and Justice Winslow, obviously he did not work out. But the thing about it is this. You see three different ways in which the Grizzlies were able to find pieces that they targeted without having to give up a long-term piece, without having to give up a valuable trade asset, without having to make a huge trade that significantly changed the roster. This is what they call moves on the margins, as you've seen me before say, you've seen others before say as well. And that's where the Grizzlies still could operate this summer, you know, I was talking with Keith um, Smith on Friday, and he mentioned that, you know, in time, the Grizzlies do have an avenue where they can create significant cap space once the calendar to, turns to the new league year on August 3rd. They have the ability to renounce the rights to Tim Frazier, as well as decline the option on Justice Winslow. And if they do that, you're talking about nearly 22, a little over $22 million that the Grizzlies didn't have in cap space that they could work with. You certainly could think that they would probably work to get Winslow back on a lower salary income for them to operate with. They, you know, basically bring Winslow back into the fold for next year on a prove-it deal with less guaranteed money. They could decline his option, whatever it may be, but they do have the option to create cap space. But beyond that, as I mentioned in those three deals, what could they do with that cap space? Maybe they could work out a sign and trade for an attractive, um, you know, restricted free agent that they're looking to get. Maybe they can take two or three players on the roster right now, use them in a trade, and then take on a significantly higher priced player to bring in. So if the Grizzlies traded two assets that totaled like six to seven million dollars next year, they could use that and trade for a player that they like that's owed 15 or 16 million over the next two or three years and still make it work without having to do the money matching. That's the whole thing about having cap space is that if you have cap space, you don't necessarily have to do the money matching feature of a lot of NBA trades. So when we're thinking about the Grizzlies going out to get a significant trade talent, we think that right now, and right now they would, they would have to trade like a Jonas or a Kyle or a Dylan to go use them as a money-matching aspect of the trade to trade for a player that's owed 15 to $20 million. Well, once the calendar year turns to next year, if you decline Winslow's options, you renounce the rights to um, Tim Frazier, do a few other things, the Grizzlies can then have the cap space where you could still bring in a significant talent in a consolidation trade, but you don't have to necessarily do the money matching aspect of things. 
or they can continue to do what they've done over the past few years. Maybe take on a a, a um, player who's not on a favorable contract, but because of that, you get a prospect attached to that player. Maybe you pay that player on a one-year contract, pay them out for the 2021-2022 season, but you get an attractive rookie or other prospect that you maybe want to see pan out maybe in South Haven or you could use on the roster to see how they develop. I know we don't have a lot of roster spots, but in a sequence of moves, you could see that happening. One other thing the Grizzlies could do is that if they open up cap space, they really don't see a move out there that makes sense to use that cap space to upgrade the team. Now, they could once again do what they did in the Inguadala trade. Take on a prospect for 15, 16, 17, or a player for 15, 16, 17 million dollars that a team wants to work off of because that other team wants to create their own cap space. Well, maybe the Grizzlies can work that unfavorable contract into their cap space, you know, once free agency starts in August and take on a future asset. I get that an Andre Iguodala type trade from 2019 may not be the most favorable thing for the Grizzlies to do and may not be looked upon with a lot of positivity from the Grizzlies fans because it looks like another rebuilding type move, but that is the type of thing that the Grizzlies are still in the mode of doing. They are still in the mode of doing what is best to put themselves in the best position possible going forward. Maybe this time around, Instead of it being a situation where you um, acquire Andre Iguodala and the first-round pick, Iguodala didn't play for the Grizzlies then. Maybe the Grizzlies, if they were to free up some cap space, 15 to $20 million, maybe they do find a player a team is wanting to move off of, but a player that the Grizzlies like, they could bring that player into the fold, pay them over the short term over next year, but also because that other team wanted to move off that player, the Grizzlies could also get some assets to fill their cover back up for future moves. My whole point in being is this, is that being in a league where you can consistently see unexpected moves happening all the time, and you also see creative moves always being on the table for a front office like the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies are going to do what they feel puts this team in the best position to win into the future. Yes, Everybody wants them to make a major upgrade to build off this playoff season to go into next season. But we've talked about how that may not make the most sense with how much certainty has to be gained about the roster right now. Well, if the Grizzlies can still find out the certainty about their roster going into next year without making the big move, but in sequence with that, can also use some of their cap space to bring in future assets or maybe bring in another player they really like to test out with this with this roster into next year that's what available cap space can do so i know that the that the idea that the you know good thing to do the positive thing to do is to do some type of clear upgrade to the roster and continue trying to push for as high of a playoff seat as possible next season. However, if the Grizzlies do create themselves cap space, this still will be a productive and positive summer if they choose to operate in a way that they made trades like they did back in 2019. Just because value is added to the cupboard of assets for this franchise does not necessarily mean if those assets are in the future, doesn't necessarily mean this offseason has been a negative. It just means that the Grizzlies are making moves with what they have available in the present in the best way possible to help them maintain this progression that they've had over the past two years 
going forward. And the great thing is, not only is there a variety of ways in which they can do exactly that, they have a front office that has shown it consistently will choose the right way to do that. So even if a trade may not occur that shows a clear upgrade or is the all-in trade this summer, there are still even multiple trades that can happen through the draft through bringing on an unexpected commitment to a player who may not seem to be that great of an asset, but through acquiring that player, the Grizzlies gain future assets. There are still plenty of ways for this Grizzlies team to use cap space that may open up based off a few roster decisions for them to benefit the future. And even though it may not be a clear upgrade in the present, it still is a way for them to be able to add value for the present and the future for them to maintain their best shot at being a sustainable winner. So many things to talk about. So much fun is out there. And the great thing about the NBA is, is that we all cheer for a sport where you never know what can be on the table. And that makes it always exciting to see the moves that can be made. Tomorrow on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast, Parker Fleming will be with us to discuss some names that the Grizzlies could focus on, both in free agency and the draft. That can make sense for Memphis. Until next time, you can follow the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at StatsSAC. My name's Sean Coleman. It's been a pleasure talking with you and look forward to speaking with you again here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.